Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email me at box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and give us a call 208-991-4783. Well, I do want to encourage you, if you've not already, to pick up a copy of my ebook. All I needed to know, I learned from Columbo. We take a look at life lessons from seven great fictional uh, detectives, including Sherlock Holmes, Monk, Boston Blackie, and uh, Dan Holliday, among others. And uh, it is available to you as an ebook form for both the uh, for Kindle, for Kobo, for Barnes and Noble Nook, uh, for the uh, iPad. Uh, in the Apple Store, and uh, for all other formats, you can go to smashwords.com. Uh, also, if you do happen to have the Kindle, I uh, w- would also encourage you to uh, try out the great detectives of old-time radio articles. Uh, we uh, Every week I post uh, generally two articles, sometimes only one, but usually two articles, uh, and they're about to either detective fiction or a uh, vintage uh, movie review, or the golden age of cinema, golden age of radio. Uh, topics I think listeners to this program would enjoy. And you can try that out free for two weeks on your Kindle. So be sure to check out the great detectives of old time radio for Kindle. Now it's time for today's episode of Sherlock Holmes, The Knife of Vengeance. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. <laughs> this week's story, The Night of vengeance. Holmes, the heat of these steel furnaces is unbearable. Thousands of degrees in those ovens. You have to bear it, Watson, until we find that murderer. He's hiding somewhere in this foundry, I'll wager. You're right. There he goes, racing past the furnace just ahead. He's climbing that ladder to the catwalk above us. This way, Holmes. Let's go up after him. No, Watson, come back. That cauldron of hot metal over your head, he's turning it over. Look out! When you buy fine silver, you're always sure to look for the sterling mark, aren't you? So, too, whenever you shop for fine clothes, you should insist on seeing the famous Clippercraft label, the wheel of a Clippercraft ship. Clippercraft clothes are produced in historic New England by craftsmen with a tradition as proud as that which built and sailed the Yankee Clipper ships to rule the seven seas. None but the renowned Clippercraft label assures you of truly superb quality at such modest prices. And speaking of quality, 
Be sure to see Clippercraft's truly expensive-looking topcoats and overcoats, priced at only forty to forty-seven fifty, and the new zipper-lining topcoat for handsome Clippercraft styling for exceptionally modest Clippercraft prices. I should like to suggest, on behalf of the makers of Clippercraft, and for your own satisfaction, that you compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. Dr. Watson, who wielded the knife of vengeance, and what was he trying to avenge? Those were the awful problems that faced Holmes, Mr. Harris. For this was the killer whose grisly specter prowled the Sheffield area, whose black silhouette stalked in horrible outline against the blinding red glare of the steel thirsts. It began at the home of Theodore Pickering, a partner in the Griswold Pickering Steelworks. Pickering was at home one twilight, relaxing alone in his study. Outside, he heard a wandering tradesman hawking his wares, chanting a familiar sing-song as he rode by. Any knives to be sharpened, mister? Well, I I don't know. The servants are off today. Surely it's something to be sharpened. I've a stone in the cart. It's most inexpensive. Makes doing things about the house so much easier when you're well sharpened knives. Well, I'll look in the kitchen cupboard. Uh, this way. What? Well, you've dozens of knives that could use sharpening, sir. I'll fetch myself. Oh, uh, wait, I... I will take for the moment. I say, uh, how much do you charge? Killing a knife, that's all, sir. Uh, I'll roll this stone of my right in your kitchen. There. There. Here we are. You'll be very happy you've had your knives made sharper. I'll fix them so they'll cut the thinnest paper. Would you lend me that bread knife, sir? Oh, very well. Thank you, sir. Ah, that's good. I wanted to be sharp as canvas. Just watch. How smooth. Watch closely, sir. There's a special reason why I wish you to notice how this blade is sharpened. To appreciate the artistry with which it is done. A special reason? Yes. Why are you so anxious for me to watch closely? You are admiring the sharpening of the knife that will be used to cut your throat. What did you say? This is the knife I will use to kill you, Pickering. To kill me? Are you insane? What sort of a joke is this? How do you know my name? You know mine, too. My name is Bennett. Good Lord. You are Bennett. Yes, yes, I, I didn't recognize you. You were stout then. Now your cheeks are hollow, your eyes are sunken, and you've grown a beard. Dennis, where the devil have you come from? What are you up to? I thought I made it very clear. I'm sharpening this knife to cut your throat. Stop that gruesome joking and answer me. I am not joking. You may shout all you like, there's no one about. I made sure of that. I locked the door when I fetched the stones. And though I've suffered years of ill health, I'm still twice as powerful a man as you. Thanks to my ears soaking the furnace at the mill. 
This should be easy for me. Will you stop sharpening that knife? Answer my question. Just a moment longer. I want the knife so sharp. So sharp. <laughs> there. Yeah. Speak up, Bennett. Is this your idea of an amusing way to reappear in Sheffield? Oh, not amusing. Simply justice. Inescapable justice. Late, perhaps. It's been over ten years. Shall I recall certain incidents to your memory? I created an alloy process. Bring a method of manufacturing a new type of steel. The Bennett process. When I offered it to you, the experiment with it was a failure. You and Anne Griswold persuaded me to leave England to forget my failure. Remember how I disappeared from Sheffield? Uh, of course. I drifted a great deal to the continent, to South Africa, to South America. I degenerated. I began drinking. I was introduced to hashish. I was a degraded wastrel to be found more often than not in the gutters of some godforsaken village of the Near East. Those years had one beneficial effect, though. What do you mean? They changed my appearance radically. One morning, I came across a newspaper. Look, I have it here. Faded, but still legible. It describes how Pickle and Miss Griswold had become fabulously wealthy in Sheffield with a certain alloy process. You vanished, Bennett. We believed you were dead. I returned here to Sheffield very quietly. Some weeks ago, I began making inquiries. I found Kennedy, our former assistant. Remember him? Yes. I forced him to confirm my suspicions. You did betray me. You deliberately made that first experiment a failure. Do you want money? We might compute your share. No. No. I want my ten years back. I want the ten years I spent wandering the face of the earth without purpose. That's impossible. So I'm settling for vengeance. You conniving Speak me. Let go of my throat, Bunny. Now we'll see if I sharpen the knife well enough. We'll see if it will cut your throat. <laughs> yes, the knife is nice. Tell me, Pickering. Tell me, that painting, was it bought with my money? Was it a dramatic setting for you? Then we must use the knife on it. Priceless oaken table and the Venetian glass upon it. Did it serve you well here as you sat in my place? Then we must destroy it! <laughs> These and soap! Did they look splendid if you repeat your guests? The night! We must put the night to them! <laughs> Done with your own steel, pickering, your own magnificent shining steel, just the way you and your life pattern should die, by the steel that made you so glorious and an illicit empire. <laughs> So 
Oakville, Superintendent Rodney. You say you found Pickering literally butchered. Yes, Mr. Oakes. No sign, Superintendent, of the murderer's knife? No sign, Dr. Watson. Not a clue of any sort. That is why I've come running here to Baker Street, Mr. Oakes. I off the train from Sheffield as quick as I could. Oh, of course, I reported the homicide to Scotland Yard. Do you know how long they'll be about it? <laughs> An eternity, my dear sir. An eternity. The countryside is in a cold sweat, sir. Why, is this, this madman's liable to go after others with his knife? Yes, you were quite correct in hastening to me, Superintendent. This case is not a matter of weeks, nor of days, nor possibly of hours. The madman must be identified and apprehended instantly. Shall we off to Sheffield, Holmes? We must pack our luggage this minute, Watson, and dash for the railway station. The sheer violence of this crime indicates no ordinary homicide. This is the work of a deranged, malevolent mind. A human being who does not exist by breathing air, but who subsists upon hate in the essence, distilled venom, bloodlust. I don't tell fortunes, but I know you will enjoy a delightful surprise tomorrow when you visit the independent store in your community that sells Clippercraft clothes. You will finger really luxurious fabrics you can count on for long, steady wear. You will admire clean-cut workmanship, fine tailoring details at shoulders, buttonholes, and sleeves, and the graceful hang you find only in truly expensive suits. Yes, you'll look like a million, but here's the big surprise. You will pay just 40 or $45. Incredible? Not when you know that your Clippercraft dealer is one of more than 1,200 independent stores throughout America who concentrate their huge purchasing power to bring you unbelievable savings. That's why even a truly fine worsted suit with the Clippercraft label costs only $45. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes bearing the Clippercraft label. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and overcoats. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Dr. Watson, we mustn't lose a moment in returning to Mr. Holmes and, and his pursuit of the killer holding the knife of vengeance. Well, Mr. Harris, we dashed for the train with Superintendent Rodney, and we reached Sheffield. There at the home of the dead man, Mr. Pickering, Holmes began his customary penetrating examination. There, Mr. Oakes. I wouldn't allow him to remove the uh, body for an autopsy till you had a look. Very wise, Superintendent. Must have been a gigantic struggle, Holmes, the way the furniture is upset. Very little struggle, Watson. A casual examination of the cadaver reveals there are no bruises caused by body blows nor by striking physical objects. Still further examination of the painting, for instance, leads to the conclusion that the painting was slashed by a knife, the same knife, in fact, that butchered Mr. Pickering. How the dickens do you know that, Holmes? My lens shows there are minute specks of blood at the edges where the canvas was ripped. Evidently, after murdering Pickering, the killer went upon an orgy of destruction. Oh, Mr. Holmes, sir, we've, we've still no indication of what this criminal looks like, or who he is, or where he's gone. And if he's as dangerous as you make him out, well, he may be at someone else's throat this very minute. Oh, there's very much to be said about this criminal, Rodney. He's an extremely powerful man with black hair. At the time of committing this bestial deed, he was wearing a dark grey suit. 
His profession is that of knife sharpening. Holmes, you can't rattle off conclusions that way without explaining them. Hmm. Watson, a gentleman of the late Pickering's means would not sharpen his own knives. You've also learned that it was the servant's night off. But someone did perform that task. Upon the floor to your left, you may perceive traces of emery dust. This is substantiated by the markings of the small wheels of the typical cart employed by professional knife sharpeners. No doubt the killer used the profession as an easy device to gain entry. About his being powerful, though. That oaken table has been turned topsy-turvy. It's so huge and weighty, it requires a man of great strength to upset it. And the upsetting has been done. Certainly not by the dead man, puny chap that he was. You said the killer had black hair and a gray suit. Yes, so I did. That information is to be gathered from beneath the fingernails of the corpse. As he fell, he clutched at the man who was taking his life. But there's a particle of dark gray thread beneath those nails from the murderer's clothes. And a single black hair. A microscopic examination of the medulla, cortex, and cuticle of the hair will determine whether it's from the head or the beard. Well, I'll, I'll notify the police of the neighboring villages to be on the alert for a chap of that description. Well, it's not very definite, I must say. I believe we may overcome your skepticism, my dear Rodney, with this extremely small speck of paper I found. Oh, let's see it, sir. Well, it has the appearance of newsprint. Yes, quite. This is a speck that's clearly fallen off a newspaper. It has the peculiarly stiff, yellowish appearance of a faded newspaper of many months ago. There isn't anything on it but that uh, smudge, Holmes. It is of infinite value to us, Watson. Superintendent, you shall inform me of the location of the nearest telegraph office... In a very short while, I'll supply you with every scrap of information required to trace the killer. Yes, but, but how, Holmes? How? Absurdly simple, Watson. I shall identify and track down the killer by telegraphing Cairo, Egypt. You know, it's been a considerable length of time since you telegraphed to Cairo, Holmes. We've been sitting in this telegraph office for hours here. To whom did you send the message? What did it say? It was a request, Watson, a request with which Cairo will be quick to comply. The police are patrolling the roads for a black-haired, husky knife sharpener. They may not find him. Aha, perhaps this is it. Yes, my name in code. Now, Watson, from that little instrument we shall have the answer to the riddle. Listen. I still don't understand why you selected Cairo Holmes and what in creation they're telling Quiet, you. Quiet, Watson. You mustn't miss a word. The homicidally inclined gentleman we're searching for may be plunging his knife into another victim, even as we sit here. Yes, I'm glad you've come by. Step in, won't you? Delighted. Mind if I just push my stone into the kitchen this way? There we are, my lady. Aren't you working rather late this evening? Poor man was going to live it. Every chilling extra, you know. My servants are off this evening, but Cook told me that the knives that needed sharpening are in this drawer. Ah, here they are. Thank you. Now, just watch. Smooth. Smooth. The edge becomes fine. Very fine. The blade must be keen. So keen. 
Uh, would you mind closing the door, ma'am? There's a bit of a draft. Certainly. Thank you. Now then, step closer to the wheel, ma'am. Don't be frightened at the spot. You see how the stone caresses the steel, how it strokes away the rough edges. That's it, ma'am. Closer. Closer! My arm! Let go, you'll break my arm! What are you... I want to be very sure you stay right here, Anne. If you don't let go of my arm, I... I'm not just an everyday flower. Not the garden variety of intruder after a lovely woman. Not by any means. Pickering didn't recognize me. You're Bennett! Yes. I was at Pickering's earlier. He died by stealing. I promised myself that you and Bristol would die that way, too. No, no. I know you coaxed me into the experiment with the alloy. You schemed with Pickering. You used my attraction to you as a lover no. so that you both might learn the process. No, no. Then, when it seemed to be a failure, you persuaded me to leave England so the two of you might revel in the profit. Oh, no, no. I'm going to cut your throat with this steel. No, no. It no. is painful, but not so long. Pickering no. died quickly. It's just one neat stroke like this. Easy, Watson. That's Bennett. Turn blazes to you. My name is Sherlock Holmes, Miss Bennett. I'm a criminal investigator. Keep away from me. I'm very handy with this knife. So we've observed. Careful, Watson. Right. I'll just borrow this cat in and clear my way through this window. Oh, he's gone through the window. Watson, Watson, come on. See him out there? Oh, confounded Holmes, it's so blasted dark out there. But never mind playing cat and mouse with him. I know where he'll go. Where? He knows the town's onto him. Therefore, he'll hide. And where would he hide? The one place that's most familiar to him. By the huge fires and the bubbling cauldrons of the steel foundry. Run, Watson, run! The heat by these steel furnaces is unbearable, Holmes. Thousands of degrees in those ovens. We'll have to bear it, Watson, until we find Mr. Bennett. He's somewhere in this foundry, I'll wager. You're right, I see him. There he goes, racing past the furnace. Way down the other end there. Yes, he's climbing a ladder to the catwalk above this, us. This way, Holmes. Let's go up after it. Oh, oh, there you are, Mr. Holmes. Rodney, are you armed, as I suggested? Yes. Well, there's Bennett, high on the catwalk. See him? Walking gingerly like a human fly along the girder. Yes, yes, I see him. Come down from there, Bennett. I'm warning you... If you don't come down, I'll shoot. I'll never come down. I'm waiting. I'll try to win. Look, he's staggering. He's falling. He's going to fall into that cauldron of hot metal. I do not intend to leave this railway station and board the train for London. In fact, I do not intend to budge from here until you explain why you telegraphed Cairo. <laughs> and I'd better explain, Watson, since I shall desire the pleasure of your company on the return journey. The speck of newspaper was not entirely blank, Watson. Oh, there was a smudge on it, yes. Hardly a smudge. The slight marking on it was a Coptic G. Uh, a Coptic G? The Copts, my dear Watson, are an ancient minority of Muslim Egypt. They have a singular language, and it's a fascinating fact of contemporary journalism that just one, one newspaper on earth publishes a considerable number of items in Coptic as well as in English. It's a newspaper in Cairo, 
All that was on the paper we found was the letter G in Coptic. So one could then deduce that the crucial clipping must have come from a newspaper in Cairo. I see. I telegraphed a request to repeat the exact wording of any account they'd published recently concerning the Pickering Griswold steelworks. Oh, I see, Holmes. They telegraphed the contents of the clipping, which must have uh, mentioned Bennett, eh? Yes, yes. It was a story about the brilliant success of the steelworks based upon the Bennett process. That made Bennett, the sole missing member of the triangle, our most likely culprit. The fact that he'd done away with Pickering made it clear that he would then be after Anne Griswold, which is why we hurried to her home. Astonishing, Holmes. Astonishing. How you maneuver these men to their doom. Watson, when a man crosses the border of morality into the alien wasteland of time, no matter where he roams, he has an inevitable rendezvous at 221B Baker. Well, Dr. Watson, the shocking adventure of the Knife of Vengeance was certainly cause for admiring Mr. Holmes' resourcefulness. Well, you will find even greater cause for marveling at Holmes, just as I did, Mr. Harris, when I relate next week's adventure. And what is that adventure, Dr. Watson? Next week, Mr. Harris, I shall relate to you the adventure of the fabulous celebrity. It concerns the killer who terrorized London, an old man who couldn't jump over a stile, and a pair of spotty boots. Makers of Clipper Craft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockton. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Felton. The part of Bennett was played by Ted Osborne. This week's story was written by Howard Merrill with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Fabulous Celebrity. Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, this has probably been my least favorite episode, and uh, for a few reasons. Um, the writing really seemed kind of off for a Sherlock Holmes story. Uh, we are about halfway through the case before Holmes or anyone who uh, consults Holmes actually comes into the story. Uh, so limited time anyway. And then, you know, as soon as Holmes comes on the scene, states what we already know, we go to commercial. And, uh, so it's about halfway in that Holmes comes to work. Uh, and the solution, uh, was not bad, but I would have liked to see more of Holmes, uh, actually finding it. And uh, the other thing here, I thought Ted Osborne really overacted this role. Maybe he was, I don't know, doing kind of, because uh, New York was very common. Uh, they did a lot of, had a lot of stage actors. 
it could be that uh, uh, stage acting was more his uh, forte than the radio, at least when it came to these sort of uh, villainous characters, because he just went way, way, way over the top. Uh, but hopefully a better episode next week. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback. David Naylor comments, uh, not a bad adaptation, but the woman apparently showing up in Dr. Watson's study to talk about how much her husband liked the Clippercraft suits was kind of distracting. Definitely one of the more awkward uh, commercial uh, spots. Well, David, I, I would agree. Um, when it comes to Clippercraft commercials, though, unfortunately... Uh, I haven't heard of them all, but I'm fairly confident that the worst is yet to come because of one I did here. Then we also have this comment from Richard says, uh, Wish all the Rathbone Bruce Holmes episodes had been saved, Adam. Such a shame they were destroyed. Um, well, thanks, Richard. I definitely agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, now, how many have been destroyed remains a, a bit of a question. Certainly, there may be some out there that are in uh, that are, that collectors are holding on to, kind of keeping back from the public. That sort of thing does happen. The radio collecting hobby. Uh, there was one article on Wikipedia. Uh, it claimed that. Uh, there were 150 episodes secretly in existence. Uh, but I didn't give that much credence because, you know, how would somebody uh, updating a Wikipedia article know this? They didn't provide any source or their statement that there were 150 episodes in existence. So I'll keep my eye out for more. Um, you know, always hopeful. Uh, where there's lost episodes, there's always a potential of found. Um, but I think the 53 we did uh, is probably about the most um, the most that's out there in uh, listenable form right now. But thank you so much. I appreciate your comments. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Join us tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And then be with us back again next Thursday, another episode of Sherlock Holmes. Send your comments to... Uh, Box 13 at greatdetectors.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectors and call us 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.